Hello and welcome along to London Coronavirus Podcast, the only daily independent podcast of its kind, brought to you by a couple of Londoners looking for some lights. And today for podcast number 27, ladies and gentlemen, I was joined by Mr. James Ware. James, a wacky week where we covered sleep, coffee, confinement, Easter eggs, the Loch Ness Monster and so much more. And we had some seriously impressive contributions as well from Cristiano Ronaldo's sleep coach and a guided chocolate meditation experience too. Just another seven days for London Coronavirus Podcast, my friend. Yeah, it was a particularly bonkers best bits today, which feels fitting for what's been a very bizarre bank holiday for us all. I feel the strangeness of the situation we all find ourselves in has been rammed home once again with what's been a very strange Easter weekend for us all. But don't worry, we've got you covered here on London Coronavirus Podcast because as soon as we wrap this, Dave, I'm going off to put the food appreciation techniques we learned in our guided chocolate meditation into practice over dinner. And then I'm going to be really doing my practical exam on those top sleep tips we were going from one of the world's leading sleep coaches. So we've got you covered to round off the Easter bank holiday weekend in style, even if it has been a bit of a weird one for us all. Lovely stuff, James. Listen, these are, of course, tricky times, but London Coronavirus Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Enjoy the highlights pod. And what better place to start on a Monday? James, I love my coffee. You love your coffee. I've got to say, for me, coffee has doubled down in in terms of its importance during this coronavirus age. And For me, there's something about that second coffee of the day and about a Mm. third of the way through it. And this this existed before Corona and it exists right now in Corona. And about a third of the way through my second coffee of the day, which I usually have back to back at the moment, everything (laughs) feels possible. And I've always felt that. And honestly, if you said to me, Dave, we're going to climb Mount Everest or we're going to start a business or we're going to lead an army after that, just into that second coffee of the day, I believe for about five or ten minutes that anything in the world is possible hello dave james uh london coronavirus podcast this is tony from hearst yes dave it's your dad again you know how i like a strong coffee here's one for the pandemic purchase yesterday tried to get my coffee beans from the normal supermarket my normal hot lava java strength five which i like Unfortunately, no lava java left on the shelves. But what did I find? A new lot called Brooklyn Hustle from across the pond. Strength nine. Oh, yes. These are good coffee beans. Really buzzing. All the best. Keep up the good work. James, I think it's fair to say that in order to deal with this coronavirus world, you need more than a kind of medium strength coffee, right? Like the latte for me is not a coronavirus coffee. We need the real big players. So I love that leap from five to nine. That's a genuine gear shift. It's kind of Snowden to Everest in in minimum time. I think, to be honest, you've just got to, at this point in time, at this point in our lives, you've just got to order the strongest coffee that you've got going, right? Like my dad there went for a strength nine, but if there was a strength 99, you'd go for it, wouldn't you? (laughs) I loved that from him as well, because... It's really epitomising the working with what you have approach, which we've heard so much across London Coronavirus podcasts and more broadly in the past few weeks. But I like that that was like a Trojan horse for increasing the strength of this coffee. It was like, well, in these tough times when my normal supply is out, I'm just going to have to crank this up. some entertainment to coffee myself by getting really into the Dalgona coffee craze mm. that's been going viral online. Like, it's come out of Korea. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's this kind of whipped, foamy coffee that you make. It's super simple to make, which is partly why it's become so popular. We spoke about it briefly on the pod before. So all you do is, like, whack some instant coffee, some sugar, and some spoons of hot water in a 
glass bowl or wherever you have knocking around and then whisk them up together. And I've been getting into those not only because it provides a bit more entertainment in coffee form, but I think also because the name Dalgona just sounds so exotic right now. Like in, in a world where things have never been more local, to have the Dalgona, it sounds like it's come from much farther afield than the shops at the end of my road, which are about as far afield as I make it right now. Although I feel... <laughs> I was just going to say, James, it sounds like an Italian spaceship to me. <laughs> you know, it... it certainly launches off my day like an Italian spaceship <laughs> launch mission. We have the section of the pod where we invite our listeners in to come into the confession booth and offload their sins. Fake names and fake locations on London Coronavirus Podcast are not just accepted, they are indeed encouraged. And as always, Windsor and Ware do not judge. Today in the confession booth, we've got a second appearance actually from Fabian from Freiburg. And I will let him take it away with his coronavirus confession. Hi, this is Fabian again from Freiburg. And yeah, I have to admit, I haven't been jogging really before this whole situation. But yeah, now I also don't jog. Well, there there we go, James. Great honesty, which is key criteria in the confession booth. And there's a lot of people now, James, that are pretending that that they've been jogging for years and they clearly haven't. And at least Fabian was content enough to share with us that he didn't jog before coronavirus. He doesn't jog now and he's probably not going to jog in the future. (laughs) It's a very concise confession, that, from Fabian. I I admire how much he managed to condense his confession because there's a long... The Germans nail it. (laughs) Yeah, German efficiency, Vorsprung Dirk Technik. Now, whilst London Coronavirus Podcast is, of course, a pod that seeks to find the lighter side in this whole horrible situation, we do, of course, address as well the key issues and the important issues, and there's no more important issues at the moment than mental health with everyone locked up inside. So we have our resident London Coronavirus Podcast psychotherapist back again, Camilla Simpson, to discuss how important exercise and movement is in terms of our mental health. My name is Camilla Simpson and I'm a psychotherapist specialising in the treatment of addiction and mental health disorders. Who cares about exercise? Don't we just want to get through lockdown? And anyway, we're not supposed to go outside and we can't go to the gym, so what's the point? The point is, is that our bodies are designed in order to move and we can see evidence of that in the way that it's structured. Legs to stand, arms to lift and hundreds of joints to aid mobility. Every time we sit hunched over a desk or computer, our chest cavity shrinks, meaning that our lungs have less space to expand into every time we breathe. And we want our lungs to be working superbly right now. Staying sedentary is a problem because it temporarily limits the amount of oxygen getting into our blood. Our brains require a constant flow of oxygen and blood. And without them, our brain activity slows and our concentration dips. Not ideal for a time where we need to keep our eyes on the ball. The solutions are simple and intuitive. Aim to move around even whilst sitting. Set a reminder to get up every 30 minutes. You don't have to love or even engage with Joe Wicks to reap the benefits of movement. Simply standing up and stretching are good enough. Walking, if you can, is superb. In fact, any movement benefits the brain in several ways. You'll have better mood, better memory, better attention. Movement increases neurotransmitters like serotonin and adrenaline, and these feel really good when it happens. Moreover, movement increases our attention span by two hours. So this means every time you move or go for a single walk, it increases your capacity to cope with boring lockdown life. But you probably know most of this. What I'm concerned with is the effect of a sedentary nation on mental health. Inevitably, people are feeling more depressed than usual these days. 
and it's this which is harder to shake than a few pounds. So, take advantage of the sun whilst you can. Get up, move around, and do yourself and everyone else a favour. And remember, stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you on the other side. As always, James, some really genuinely, not just very good advice, but actionable stuff. You know, you can listen to that and you can can action some of what Camilla said. I thought it was really interesting how she said, you know all this. And of course we do, intuitively, we do know this, don't we? I mean, what she said about if you, after movement, you know, you can get up to two hours more in terms of your attention span. And everyone knows that. You know, everyone knows that if you're sat down concentrating on something and you find your attention uh, uh, kind of losing focus and you go out and you go for a walk, you get some fresh air, you do a workout, whatever, and you come back to it, everyone knows that they feel sharper. And I guess it's just putting that knowledge, like internalizing that knowledge and putting it into practice, right? It's so easy to know that and then end up sat in front of your laptop for hours and hours. Like I find it so easy to do that every day at the moment. Mm. And then even a brief bit of movement, even like going to the kitchen to get a glass of water just makes such a difference to like your energy and your concentration. And I think in terms of a feel-good factor, that endorphins are definitely my drug of choice during lockdown. Like, there's nothing that really makes you feel better than just a a little burst of those from doing a bit of exercise, even if it's as light as a walk. So something we can all try and incorporate more into our routines there for sure. And then, lo and behold, I heard from a friend of mine about a friend of theirs who has been in Korea doing his military service that you have to do by a certain age if you're a Korean citizen. So he'd left London to go and do that. And he had actually been cut off at the critical time for the news development of this. He hadn't had any access to news for the whole five weeks where this really started affecting us here in Europe and really became a global story rather than just something in Asia. And he was kind enough to speak to me about his experience. So here is what it's actually like to suddenly hear about this coronavirus crisis for the first time now. So when did you actually enter the camp and get cut off from the news? Um, it was the 28th of January, um, and that was when there was no case at all in Europe, and um, there were only 26 infected people in Korea. Okay. Um, and and it was a strange time because, um, like in Korea, there was there was a concern over um, swine flu, which was quite you know which was being handled quite seriously, and then. You know, when we went in, we got cut, cut off from the news because you're not allowed to have any sorts of mobile devices. Sure. Um, so uh, what what was really weird, though, was that every week they started introducing, you know, more measures. So when we went in, they gave us all masks. Uh-huh. And then we had to wear it even during our sleep so wow. like you have to you have to have you have to have um your mask on at all times from the like actually not from the waking moment but you just like you wake up with your mask on and you sleep with your mask on um and then all of a sudden they started measuring our um temperatures so that was five times a day i believe so you know Flip. when you wake up after breakfast, after lunch, after dinner, and before going to sleep, they they would just you know pass on the the um, the, the thermostat, and then you just you know measure it. And they started restricting our you know outside activities, so you couldn't go out to the fields. Um, and at that point, we knew what was kind of going on because we you know we could get some secondhand news from our you know, leaders and officers, but obviously, like the exact magnitude of what was happening was unclear. 
Sure. And when did you first actually get access to the news and get a full picture of what was going on? Um, okay, so I left the boot camp on the 5th of March. I got my phone on the 12th of March. Um, kind of like... So, no, was it 12th? I think it was even later, like around 12th, 15th. Sure. So, three weeks ago. Um, and, you know, when I, like, then I, I got really excited and started contacting all my friends from Europe. Yeah, yeah. And and everything they could talk about was coronavirus. <laughs> it was like, what the f- thing? <laughs> like, you know, this is mad. And, you know, I started going on BBC and I saw um, Italy was struggling and, you know, I was, I was actually quite in shock. Next up on London Coronavirus Podcast, we have the section of the pod where we take a little step to the side because whilst, of course, we try to bring as much well-meaning, light-hearted humour to the situation as we can, we also completely appreciate and understand the fact that this is such a serious issue where people are dealing with a lot of mental health problems being isolated and cooped up inside. But fear not, because our resident psychotherapist, Camilla Simpson, has once again offered some really fantastic words on confinement and isolation and how to survive and thrive in this situation. So without further ado, here is Camilla Simpson. My name is Camilla Simpson and I'm a psychotherapist specialising in the treatment of addiction and mental health disorders. When I was asked to consider how we can survive and even thrive in solitary confinement or small spaces, I was tempted to say that we can't. However, that would have been unhelpful and also largely untrue. As the nation descends into a secondary epidemic of grumpiness, boredom and irritability, how can it be possible to look at world events through a positive lens rather than a negative? Can we view the glass as half full? rather than half empty. Do we even want to? In 2004, two psychologists discovered the idea of character strengths, a set of 24 identifiable character traits that each individual can identify and adopt. The idea being that when practised in day-to-day life, not only do we enjoy our lives more, but we actually flourish. These character strengths range from creativity and kindness to bravery and persistence. Even humour makes an appearance. Having been strangely fascinated about what my own strengths were, I was delighted to discover that my signature strength is perspective. Helpful for 2020, I thought. So, if you want to find out how you can flourish, log on to a popular internet search engine and type in character strengths. There are various free tests you can take to identify your own. But if you can't be bothered to do that, use one of the popular social media apps to ask a trusted friend. I encourage you to try something different these days. Perhaps your strength isn't binge-watching Netflix. Maybe it is. Either way, be inquisitive and enjoy the results. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you on the other side. for the next 24 hours. And I know, James, I've bounced between Plato, Frankie Boyle, uh, David Blaine and a fair few others, but I always seem to keep going back to Winnie the Pooh. And <laughs> so it's Eeyore again today. And I was just thinking about the very high death toll in the UK today, James, and just thinking about how upsetting it is really and how sad it is. And I basically landed on this quote from Eeyore, which I think hopefully sums things up. It could be worse. I'm not sure how, but it could be. Really is requiring the very top experts to give their recommendations on. And luckily enough for you today here on London Coronavirus Podcast, we've been blessed by a few of those. And first up, We've got a man who 
If top sports stars are playing at the theatre of dreams, he is the dream director. Yes, this is none other than elite sport sleep coach Nick Littlehales. Now, Nick has worked with the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, personally wow. coaching them on how they can maximise their sleep and their sleep recovery to perform better. He also worked with the England football team at major tournaments, the London 2012 Olympic cycling team. He worked for Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. And now he's worked with London Coronavirus Podcast. So here are Nick's top tips for how you can sleep better during the lockdown. Happy to be supporting the uh, LC pod. Uh, my name is Nick Littlehouse. I'm an elite sports sleep coach. So my advice would be, number one, tap circadian rhythms into your browser. Just try and look at all of these fascinating things about human beings, the circadian rhythms, the sun going around our planet, and our relationship with light, dark, and temperature. Try to start the process of resyncing yourself with that process. It's a great opportunity to do it. Number two, Download a free light meter app from the App Store, a Lux light meter, and start to check out your exposure to light. Underexposure, overexposure, indoors, outside, because the human being would have an average of 10,000 lux. That's an average of 10,000 lux for us to operate, a, you know, according to all bodily functions. So see what's going on in your world as far as light is concerned. Number three, identify your chronotype. You might be a night person, you might be a morning person. It's a little generic twist. So start to align your everyday more to your chronotype. Do things at times when it feels the best time for you to do it. Number four, human beings have always slept in what's called a polyphasic way, a multiphasic way, not just in one block at night. So try to organize your everyday, looking at lots of little distracted breaks, little two, five minutes. CRPs as we call them, or naps, little 20-30 minutes. Because the biggest worry, the biggest disruptor for sleep is worrying about sleep. So take the opportunity away. It's difficult with all the things going on at this moment in time, but take the pressure off, think multiphasic, think chronotype, think circadian rhythms, and think light exposure. That will help you enormously. Bye for now, Nick. Wow. James, that was absolutely awesome. And I've got to say, one of the things about doing this podcast is I'm just so continually impressed by the ability of experts to condense decades of infield knowledge, experience, wisdom and expertise into about two or three minutes of WhatsApp audio. I think it's an unbelievable gift. And listen... That, you know, that is from someone who's worked with some of the most elite sports men and women on the planet. So do do re-listen to that because it's definitely worth it. Like, what the heck was going on there? And so David and I decided to reach out to a leading dream analyst to get some of you, our legendary listeners, dreams analyzed now normally in the show people send in how they're living the quarantine dream what they're doing to turn being stuck at home into something much more idyllic and productive today we've got how people are actually quarantine dreaming at night <laughs> it's a very literal take on the theme so we picked a few of the weirdest and wackiest dreams that we were sent and pass them on to Carol Murray, top dream analyst, to see if she could tell us what the heck is going on in our subconscious during this very, very strange time. So over to our in-house dream whisperer, Dave, with dream one. Well, I did invite a lot of people, James, to send in their dreams. Some I couldn't read out, but, but some I certainly can. And this first one, James, was from my friend, let's call him Liam. And his was nice and simple, but pretty dynamic as well. And he said this, 
Had a dream last night. I was on a beach and there was a tsunami. Let's see what Carol has to say about that one. Your dreams that you've asked me to interpret are really interesting. Now, the first one you asked me to look at was the one where the dreamer was on a beach and there was a tsunami. This is a very graphic and accurate description of what's going on for mankind at the moment. This virus is literally like a tsunami as it overwhelms each nation in turn. When you dream this sort of dream, you're tapping into a, a collective unconscious where dreams like this come up. For you, the tsunami represents you feeling overwhelmed as everything is washed away that was normal. And as I said, it also represents the fears that is flooding everybody on the planet at the moment. Well, what I, well, I was fascinated from Carol, but what, what I thought was great, James, is yes, the tsunami will wash away everything that was normal in your life, but the nature of waves is that they come back in, right? Like the tides. So even though everything at the moment that's normal has been washed away, you'd like to hope that everything we will be washed back. And I mean, I've had some pretty messed up dreams the last two or three weeks, uh, but a tsunami, I think, sums it all up. Yeah, I feel like individually we're all trying to surf the tsunami, aren't we? We're like nice. one of those big wave riding videos <laughs> that you see on YouTube where it's like someone being dragged onto one of those world record-breaking waves by a jet ski <laughs> and they're getting on there and you're like, the camera pans out, like the helicam zooms out and you're like, oh my God, that's a, that's a very small human <laughs> on a very, very large wave. I feel that's all of us individually right now. And... I'm going to be honest, speaking for myself, occasionally I've fall, fallen off the wave, Dave, <laughs> and, and taken some pretty hard face plants. It, it turns out that that wave can be like concrete after all, the water when you hit it that fast. But yeah, I can see that. Weird how much wave imagery there's been. We had someone describing the kindness around the world mm. quite early on in this as an emotional Mexican wave around the world. So maybe there's this kind of wave of kindness to counteract this wave of fear. There's this wave off, if you will, <laughs> like a Mexican wave going two ways around the stadium. But yeah, I, I can see that from Carol. I never would have thought when we were sent that dream of it like that, but it's definitely on something. The second dream that we were sent, James, was from my friend, let's call him Omar. And he said this. I dreamt the other night, Zoe and I had a baby. The baby grew like seven foot in a few weeks. Let's see what Carol has to say about this one. I've also noticed a repeating pattern in dreams with regard to the virus, where we associate the virus with death. But at the same time, the second repeating pattern is one of birth. And this is revealed in the second dream you sent to me. And the dream is, I dreamt the other night that Zoe and I had a baby and the baby grew like seven feet in a few weeks. I assume Zoe is the partner of the dreamer and Having a new baby is the birth of something new coming from this pandemic. Your dream brings hope as a new beginning, a new way of living that will open up to you, the dreamer, and to everyone, which will be for the greater good of us and will be far better than what we had before. Hence, the seven-foot baby. Fantastic. Really hopeful interpretation of that dream as well. And I I thought the fact that the baby's so big represented the fact that post-corona life might be quite spectacular, James. I found that very comforting. And it was also, this is slightly off tangent, but some of my own dreams recently that have been about captivity, and that's probably not just watching the Tiger King, that's probably to do with, you know, being <laughs> locked up inside as we are. 
But I'm hoping that when we start to see the light, probably in late April, early May, my dreams will um, will change accordingly. But what did you think of that one? The second one? Yeah. I know loads of people that I've spoken to about this and seen comments of online. Loads of people were talking about not emerging out of this experience the same person, even mm. really early on, even in the first few days of this. So the way that Carol was reading into that and seeing that playing out on a broader scale, kind of on the big screen of life, mm. this being like the end of one thing, the birth of another thing, yeah, I, I can totally see it. And I'm really intrigued that she's spotted that as a pattern really broadly right now. Like, it seems odd that we asked our loyal listeners for some dream contributions. And actually, when I spoke to her immediately, she was like, these are so interesting. They reflect exactly what's going wow. on right now. So even just in a straw poll of people's dreams, it seems really crazy that we've hit these big themes and that... Maybe it's kind of reassuring to us all if you are having these whacked out dreams that actually there's probably more in common with other people's than you'd think actually, as Carol's pointing out, there's some big themes at play here. So a third and final dream that Carol's interpreted for us says, I was held at knife point and robbed of all my jewellery and I tried to enlist my dad to get it back for me but he couldn't. But then I felt really liberated because I realised I could get a whole new collection. Let's see what Carol made of that one. Once again, your this dream is reflecting the consequence of the pandemic in the dreamer's personal life. The unknown person holding you at knife point is the virus. It is a stranger, very threatening. This stranger has robbed you of all your jewellery. And your jewellery are all the things that you hold dear in life. Your freedom, your career, your social interaction with others and so on. You try to enlist the help of your father. And the father figure in your dream is the state or the scientists or trying to get a vaccine. These are authority figures. But at this moment in time, they're of not much help. But then comes the realisation that you can create a new collection and you are liberated. This is the birth of something new coming into your life and for everyone on the planet. We will all become out of this different and hopefully better human beings. I just love Carol's delivery, James. I love that confidence to pause between analysis. And I think there's there's something great in that. And what I would like to say, James, is if you do, if you are a listener of London Coronavirus Podcast and you do have a dream that you are desperate to be dissected, then do send it in to me or James. And of course, anonymously, we will pass it on to Carol. And hopefully if she's got some time, she will further analyse some dreams in the in the days to come. But wow, that was a that was a fantastic hat trick of dreams and superbly analysed. Yeah, she really went in deep. If dreams come out of deep sleep, it feels like you've got to go deep on the analysis, kind Mm. of match them at their own game. And I I really thought Carol did that with all of them. You know, that last one, it's weird. I actually had a really strange one where I was also robbed of all my belongings. And then, like, I came back into contact with the people who had robbed them, who were like these anonymous strangers, and they kind of accused me of having robbed. I mean, this is like, they say you should never tell anyone your dreams because they sound (laughs) really boring. I think the next level of that is you should never tell a podcast your dreams because they sound even more boring but it is weird that I had a really similar dream and at the time I just thought that was like oh you know like fear of losing things but actually that makes so much sense to me having dreamt that dream that was like that I can kind of see how that could have reflected how I felt about what was going on and was like early on in the timeline of a lockdown just when I had been deprived of all those things so Yeah, some really, really interesting insight from Carol. And if you do want to send in any dreams to us, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at London CV Podcast on there. 
Next up on London Coronavirus Podcast, we have the section of the show where we invite our listeners and beyond to come into the confession booth and offload their sins. And plenty over the last few days and weeks have come in and certainly taken us up on that offer. And today, James, we have a repeat offender because Stefan is back in business. (laughs) (laughs) Stefan the Sinner is back for more. And James... (laughs) Stefan could come back a thousand times and we still wouldn't judge. That is our policy here at London Coronavirus Podcast, and especially in the Coronavirus Confession Corner. And there's nothing really I can say anymore about Stefan, so I'm just going to let Stefan take it away with his Coronavirus Confession. Hi, everyone. It's me, Stefan, again. You know me. Um, I have to admit... I'm 38 years old, but recently I've been sleeping with my teddy bear. (laughs) I love the pause between sleeping with and teddy bear, because with Stefan James, you really don't know what's about to happen next. And okay, let's let's break this down logically, James. Stefan, I think we can assume that Stefan lives alone, right? Yeah, I think he's disclosed that information before in his one-man game of confession roulette. And Stefan needs something in bed with him at night, and he has a teddy bear. And the fact that Stefan's 38 years of age, well, that's neither here nor there. I mean, I don't begrudge him that teddy bear in a global period of potential loneliness. Yourself? No, completely. I'm very much on board. In fact, my girlfriend's got, like, cuddly dog... And he's he's a steadfast, right? But I have found him very reassuring throughout this particular period. Like, not least, hear me out, not least, because, like, he spends all of his day at home anyway, right? Mm. So I feel like he knows what he's doing. Like, right now, just like on the podcast, we get experts. He is a living expert of spending all your day at home. So even seeing him around, let alone the sleep comfort side that Stefan's going for, just around during the day, I'm like, you know what? He, he, he's been doing this for two decades. Like, he's an absolute pro. So I feel, <laughs> feel like I've got a kind of living expert at this lifestyle. He, he's really what I'm aiming to be in terms of lockdown living. <laughs> James, if you're going to admit to aiming to be a stuffed cuddly toy, then I'm going to clearly have some follow-up <laughs> questions, right? So, so first of all, how big is this dog? Quite small. He, he featured in my press photo for our dog special, actually, <laughs> okay. So he's yeah. maybe like the size of a bag of flour to use a popular okay. item on today's show okay but he doesn't share the bed with you he's more of like a guard dog like a ceremonial statesman-like figure within the flat yeah a bit of both really okay. he's got several key roles <laughs> he's a key worker yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> And I came across this. I was looking at some of the wackier online classes which could get my Easter weekend off to a flyer and came across chocolate meditation. was like, we've got to have some of that on the show. And we're delighted to be joined by one of the leading chocolate meditating guides. It's Meredith Whiteley, who is Chief Chocolate Officer. Now, I've come across some great job titles researching the podcast from like World Barista Champion to everything you can think of. But that on a LinkedIn page, Chief Chocolate Officer has got to ring out CCO. She's Chief Chocolate Officer at Food at Heart and she's recorded a special chocolate meditation for us this Easter. So... Right now, if you want to pause the podcast and get yourself some chocolate, feel free. You have Dave and mine permission. And then yep. you can come back and we're going to do a chocolate meditation together. We're going to find a real Cadbury Zen on this <laughs> fine Easter weekend. So here is chocolate meditation guru, Meredith Whiteley. This 
is Meredith from Food at Heart and I want to give you a couple of tips for a way that you can get a little more from your Easter eggs this Easter weekend. You can of course just gobble down your chocolate as it can be very yummy to do it this way but I'm a meditation teacher and chocolatier and I actually use tasting chocolate as an opportunity to just slow down and take a breath. And Actually, what I do in my sessions, um, I run meditation sessions incorporating chocolate, is actually very, very similar to the way that you taste chocolate like a professional. So this is what's called mindful eating. And the secret to mindful eating is slowing down, taking your time, connecting with all your different senses, because all of our senses are involved in taste. So you can do this on your own or with your family. And I suggest finding somewhere nice and quiet and putting your Easter eggs in front of you, maybe just choosing one, one you know that you're going to really like, and rather than leaping straight into eating it, just stopping, taking a couple of breaths to settle yourself, and then working through, as I said, each of the senses with tasting. So you might start by looking at that Easter egg in front of you, uh, whether it's still wrapped or maybe unwrapping it a little bit and looking at the chocolate. So noticing what colours you see, the shapes, where the light hits the surface. The next is to touch your chocolate. So you might like to just stroke the surface or break a little bit off and notice how it feels. It might even start to melt between your fingers and if you can, try not to lick them. But maybe rubbing your fingers together a little to enjoy that melted chocolate. Next, you can listen to your chocolate by taking a bit of that Easter egg up to your ear and listening to the lovely snap. And you're not quite ready to put it in your mouth yet, but taking that piece of chocolate up to your nose and breathing in, smelling all those aromas, really enjoying that. And then taking a small piece of chocolate and rather than chewing it, popping it on your tongue, starting to move it around your mouth so that it starts to melt. And there's all sorts of different things that you can pay attention to here. There's something called mouthfeel, which is another form of touch. So whether your chocolate is creamy or dry or grainy, there's actually another form of smell, our mouth smell. As that chocolate melts in your mouth, all the aromas start to release. And as you breathe out, those aromas are pushed up the back of your nose. And then there's lastly, taste. What you taste on your tongue. Is it sweet, salty, bitter, sour, and umami? So once you've done this, really exploring that piece of chocolate, rather than rushing into the next mouthful, just stopping and noticing how the experience is for you. You can then keep going with your chocolate, just tasting pieces slowly, bit by bit, exploring the different senses. Now, of course, you're totally welcome to gobble down your Easter eggs, but I think this is just a really nice way of finding little moments, especially when things are quite busy and a little bit crazy at the moment, just to slow down, to get really focused and connect with your senses and to enjoy some delicious chocolate too. I hope you have a lovely Easter weekend. Wow. Well, that was fantastic from Meredith James and very, very soothing voice. And listen, whatever you think about meditation, the process of eating, I mean, I'm as bad as anyone. I eat so quickly. And the process of just taking that little bit of time to enjoy whatever it is you're eating makes perfect sense. I've got to say I'm open to most ideas in this world, James, but listening to your chocolate before eating was maybe a step too far for me. But the rest of it, really enjoyed. That was a real sensory journey at a time when we can't go on other journeys, Dave. And I was doing that with a mini egg and it felt more valuable than a Fabergé egg by the end. It, it really was something quite spectacular by the time I was actually eating it. So got some real bang for my buck out of the mini eggs there. And that really worked for me. Like we spoke about supermarket foreplay earlier in the show. Now we're on to chocolate foreplay. It feels like we're really working through that. A strange undercurrent to today's show. But really, really got a lot out of that. And it can be easy with sort of distracting ourselves at the moment to be busier and busier. But I can see how doing that with your food can really, really help you recenter yourself. And for anyone who especially enjoyed that, you can find Meredith 
on Instagram. She's Meredith underscore food at heart on there. And she does live daily hot chocolate meditations. I believe at 12.15 in the week. So if you want to heat it up a bit more than that, that's for one for you. I've got a lot of respect for the fact she does it daily as well, James. I think that's very strong. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. All the best people do. You know what they say. You know what they say about the daily. Yeah, we don't take bank holidays in this business. Pandemic purchases. James, we're going to lead London Coronavirus podcast today with Pandemic Purchase, our new feature where we invite listeners to let us know exactly what they bought that they probably wouldn't have done in a pre-corona world. And today, James, my friend Katie sent me this from uh, down in Brighton and she explained her pandemic purchase and it's this. She bought a new bed recently. Have you ever bought a new bed, James? I'm not sure I've ever bought a new bed, Dave, personally. Okay. I, I had a new bed bought for me when I was a lot younger, but it was like bunk bed. So I feel I can't claim much credit for that. Okay. Well, if you do buy a new bed, it's not like Amazon Prime. It doesn't arrive the next day. You usually buy a new bed and it says like three to four weeks to arrive. That's kind of a, a standard thing with those larger items of furniture. Gotcha. So uh, my friend Katie, she bought this bed online and it was nearly it was nearly due to arrive. This was three or four weeks ago and it, it was just about to arrive and they realised suddenly, oh no, we, we got the wrong size. Instead of queen, they went for double. So they contacted the company, Katie and, and her boyfriend, mm-hmm. and the company said, look, you've got to wait for the first one to arrive and then you can send it back and we'll send you the correct one. But because we're in this weird limbo, James... Of things, you know, a lot of the delivery service around the UK has been compromised, understandably so, in this situation. So they ended up with both beds arriving and they didn't, they couldn't return uh, the bed that they didn't want because it was the wrong size because the company just wasn't receiving, you know, returns at the moment. So they had two new beds plus the original bed, which they had planned to sell on Facebook Marketplace. You can't do that at the moment because obviously there's too much contact. So Katie and her boyfriend live in a one-bed flat in Brighton and found themselves (laughs) with three double beds. (laughs) And, you know, they're not easy. You've got one that's constructed, the old one, plus the new one that's the right size that they want to use and construct, but where does it go? And then they've got this additional bed that's the wrong size and new that they can't return. So it's just a kind of, they've kind of chain-purchased beds so it's another element of, I think, pandemic purchase. But uh, yeah, there you go. One one bedroom flat, three beds. You do the maths. <laughs> Does that make it a three bedroom flat if you just like draw <laughs> curtains between them? Maybe they're cunningly, they framed it like that, Dave, but maybe they're cunningly trying to increase their property value in these tough times <laughs> for the property market. No, I think there's a real silver lining to that, actually, because in our sleep special the other day, we were hearing about the importance of only using your bed mm. to go to sleep in. And if you can't sleep or during the day or when you've woken up and you want to hang out, not being in there, right? So your brain has a really strong connection between bed and sleep. Makes total sense. Well, read good way around that. If you're the kind of person who likes to spend all your time in your bed, but you also want to be able to sleep well, get three beds. You've got <laughs> two to play with. You can like stack them up in levels and then have the actual bed you sleep in. That's genius. Although if it's not as the biggest flat by the sound of things, it sounds like we might actually, Dave, and it's amazing how quickly things escalate at the moment even features on a podcast sounds like we might have our first pandemic purchase museum in brighton <laughs> if- precious few minutes and hours on this planet other people james might consider watching a light bulb on a live stream on the internet as as uh, as, as time well spent so you know I, i'm certainly not not going to judge yeah this is very much a time where to each their own has rarely been truer, I think, when it comes to passing time staying at home. Um, whatever works for people, as long as it's legal and within the rules, we're, we're very much behind here on London Coronavirus Podcast. So, Dave, that was your weird. How about your wonderful? What's your weekend wow? Well, my weekend's wow is a live stream. Ooh. And it's a live stream of... Loch Ness. 
in search of course. It is in place, of course, searching for the Loch Ness Monster. Nice. And I saw this live stream, and of course it shows the, the absolutely stunning scenery in Loch Ness, but it was also, it was incredibly peaceful. I also did my research, James, so I was, I was, you know, I was watching it, and there's a few sheep going by, and it struck me that the world is so mad right now that even if Nessie appeared, I don't think it would make the front page tomorrow. I really, really don't. Even if suddenly, and I, there's a bit of me that does, you know, kind of believe in Nessie. And if Nessie does emerge from the water at some point this week or next week or in the weeks to come, it might get like a, a news in brief, like, a, you know, a tiny little column on page 14, because it's just irrelevant because the world is just so insane. And in fact... The, uh, the, the tourism, the Scottish Tourism Board, they said this. They said, if Nessie can avoid social contact for 15 centuries, I'm sure we can manage it for a few weeks or months. That was David <laughs> Bremer, co-owner of the tourist site, and he told uh, Scottish media. They also called Nessie a social distancing champion. So, yeah, <laughs> Nessie, Nessie is the, the pioneer. I'd like if that became part of official government messaging, like they had a fourth podium when they're making the daily speeches, and it was like, stay home, protect the NHS, save lives, channel Nessie. Like, like Nessie. <laughs> that is the fourth podium caption that they're missing. Yeah, it really puts it into perspective what we've all been through. You're quite right, Dave. Puts into perspective what we've all been through recently. Mm. That, if Loch Ness was to appear tomorrow and do like a kind of water equivalent of the worm dance on the surface or on the banks of the lock <laughs> and then just pop that down and it got fully live streamed i just don't feel that would shock anyone at the moment <laughs> like that would actually sort of be reassuringly normal i think <laughs> in this very perverse sense that was quite the week about i also went live stream on this one and i also went to nature and I started out I was feeling like what I was missing from being able to get out into the countryside this weekend Dave was being able to see spring nature doing its thing mm. as only spring nature can because the flowers in the parks are wonderful but there are less roaming wild animals and that's probably a good thing right now but I did this lamb watch live webcam which live streams you to a rural farm which is on the Yorkshire and Lancashire border mm -hmm. and I was just like having a very peaceful afternoon session just watching the lambs graze which as contact grazing wow. goes was perfect and then what I've discovered that I really like about online nature that I find that real nature struggles to replicate is in real life I'm not someone who always has the longest attention span, I'll admit. So I really enjoy the lambs and the bucolic scenery. But then quite quickly, I think I'd be ready for something else. Now, in real life, that's going to require, like, quite elaborate transport methods. Whereas in internet live streams, one minute I'm watching live lambs. The next, I was watching this brown bear cam, which is from... <laughs> Katami National Park in Alaska, USA. And this thing is unbelievable. I don't know how what was happening didn't break the live cam. You can hear it in the background now. And there is a brown bear just doing his bearing in this waterfall while salmon, like tens of salmon, just leap wow. as if they're being like they're on the end of pieces of string. And it's weirdly mesmerising. Like, I genuinely think that by the time you call me to record the podcast tomorrow, Dave, I might just be sat in the same position watching these salmon fly for their little lives. I, I mean, they're, they're not looking that much like they're going to get up the waterfall, but I admire their vision and, and they're going again. They're my isolation inspiration for today. <laughs> 